Welcome to another fun-filled weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports First, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at WARR Media. You can follow our podcast, uh, the audio version of this program. The audio drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday, the audio drops at War on Anchor. Once again, at WARR on Anchor. We're we are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, including right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, 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 and tell your friends. And remember, we are on the pod, Jagly Fun. Lakina, let's kick this episode off with talking about the NFL's charter franchise. I'm talking about the Chicago Bears. Thursday, they put in a bid uh, to purchase the property uh, for the Arlington International Racecourse at Arlington Heights, Illinois, just in case you guys don't know. For those of you listening and watching outside the Chicagoland area, Arlington Heights is a suburb that's located northwest of Chicago, Illinois. Here's a statement from President and CEO, what a joke, Ted Phillips <laughs> from Thursday. Quote, we, are rec- we recently submitted a bid to purchase the Arlington International Racecourse property. It's our obligation to explore every possible option to ensure that we're doing what's best for our organization and its future. If selected, the steps allows us to further evaluate the property and its potential, close quote. Lakina, before we started recording today, we talked about this. We talked about this before we started recording. We, we mentioned this a couple of months ago when it was a story the first time. You know, listening to Chicago radio over the last 48 hours or so, you would think, I know it's a big story. I know Chicago's a Bears town. But you would think that this is the first time we heard this story. No, folks, this this has been happening recently for the last few months, ever since Arlington National uh, International Racecourse said that that probably will be put up for sale very soon. Now, I don't know if you uh, caught the article from Thursday uh, from the Daily Herald, but this goes back to the 1975 with the late great George Hallis. And so the Bears have been using this negotiating tactic, like all other pro teams uh, do from time to time. They use a smaller city to uh, we're threatening to move to Jacksonville. We're going to threaten to move to Albuquerque to get where we want. Now, once again, for those of you that are listening and watching outside of Chicagoland area, Soldier Field, where the Bears play right now in downtown Chicago, the city of Chicago, i.e. the Park District, owns that property. And the Bears, I think, I believe they're the only team in the NFL that do not own this own stadium. It like is, all it's the true. other team. It's true. Like all the other teams do. Yep. Of course, uh, you have all these other stadiums like the new Jerry Jerry's Dome, as they call it, the new Texas stadium outside of Dallas. That's Irving, Texas, of course. Santa Clara is where the uh, San Francisco 49ers play. And you have all these other stadium, stadiums, I believe, in Glendale with the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. 
And so all these new states, including the one up into the north of us, northwest of us uh, in Minneapolis, I've got the stadiums called the new one for the Vikings. They hosted a Super Bowl a few years ago, of course, where the Bears are going to open up this upcoming season on Sunday night in September. That's uh, SoFi Stadium for Los Angeles. Uh, they're going to host the Super Bowl this season, and they're going to host, I believe, the 2028 Olympics. Yep. So I, 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 for the business part of it, I understand it. But selfishly, I don't want, do not want the Bears to move. But the Bears could have solved this many moons ago. Yeah. You could have negotiated with the city and said, if you want us to play in the city of Chicago, you had to, uh, we'll have to go co-ownership with, with you guys as far as the ownership rights for the stadium or let us own it out full right or we out of here. Well, and also, too, don't forget, both the Giants and the Jets play in New Jersey. So mm -hmm. that's a – U.S. Bank Stadium is when you're talking about set for the 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 Vikings Stadium. Vikings, yeah. So they've been playing that stadium for the last few years. I mean, look, this has been this has been going on for years now. The Daily Herald has done a great job following this story. They've been doing this for like 40 years. You just mentioned, you know, they've mm -hmm. been, you know, the Bears have been used this sort of thing as leverage. I mean, look, that stadium looks that stadium, even you know, Soldier Field, even with the renovations, it still looks terrible. It looks like a some people call it a spaceship. <laughs> Remember, Jim Mariotti said it, uh, yeah. when it was first built, even though no one showed the pictures yet. But yeah, that's a whole exactly. Issue. That's another. That's a whole other story for another time. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, does, look, I mean, the parking's terrible for anybody that actually actually has been in Soldier Field. I mean, the parking's mm -hmm. terrible. It's not too. Yes. It's not. It's very hard to get there. The parking situation is just horror. Just horrid. And look, I, I get it. I mean, look, I'm. I mean, look, I mean, it would have been easier for the Bears if they had just said, you know what, you know, put up a dome or, you know, sort of just totally rehab the uh, the stadium so that they, you know, Chicago can host a Final Four, can host a Super Bowl like their, mm -hmm. their, their other, you know, Midwest counterparts like Minneapolis and the Pontiac, you know, Pontiac, oh, well, no, not, not Pontiac, but uh, the one in Detroit. Um, so, You're talking about right now, Ford Field? Yeah, Ford Field in Detroit. Yeah, that, that's that's right next door to Comerica Park in downtown Detroit. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Uh, the Ford Field hosted the Super Bowl. Uh, that was the Pittsburgh and Seattle Super Bowl. That was Super Bowl yep. 41. That was about 15, 16 years ago. So, yeah, the they could host one. Opened, the Bears yeah. – what's up? That, that, that was when the first, the first year it opened. Yeah, I think the first, the first couple years it opened. Right, it was like three years after it opened because oh, that stadium opened in 2002. Yeah. And then three years later, they got the Super Bowl. So, yeah, uh, for Chicago, it, that would be great. But I know uh, Mayor Lightfoot, who I had my issues with on other issues, but this is a sports podcast. We're going to keep it on sports. Uh, I know she fired back an hour, hour later and saying that uh, the Bears should stay here and this and that and the third. Yes, we all know that this is about money at the end of the day. The city of Chicago do not want to lose that money, okay? But if you're the Bears, you want to own your own stuff, you probably have no other choice but to leave. Yeah, and to, uh, and to remind our listeners and viewers, uh, the lease is up after 2033, if but, I'm correct. Yeah, that's true, And but there's no... But I'm sure if they want to get yeah, out at least soon, I'm sure they'll have to work some deals yeah, out if they want to get out of the But right now, it's after 2033, they can get out. Uh, the lease is up with the city of Chicago. Yeah, let's say it's not going to stop them. I mean, look, I'm sure it was like... Right. Some that's what I'm saying. They can get out of it sooner, they, they'll they'll do it. Mm. They may have, if they can maybe cut a check or something, the NFL will probably have to get involved. And, and look, I think this whole this whole thing, like, is there is there land in other parts of the city like you know, Chicago proper that you can put a new football stadium. There, there isn't really that much, you know, blank land. So look, there's no guarantee that they're actually even going to, you know, that 
they may, you know, that they're going to get, you know, that, that lineup in Arlington. I mean, I think there's like a couple like music venues, you know, some other things. So there's no guarantee, but you got to think, you know, Tom Hayes, who's the mayor of Arlington Heights, even, you know, kind of like, you know, did a little wink, wink, nudge, just say, you know what, the Bears might, you know, the Bears might buy this, you know, race, race course. I mean, you know, the racetrack, I mean, you know, the, the, the land is there. It's probably going to be a pain about because you're going up north. So it's probably going to be even mm-hmm. harder to get there. And also, too, especially if you're coming from the city and if you have folks who actually live in the city, people who cover the team who live in the city, that's a whole other issue. So, look, there's still yeah. a lot of things to be sorted out. And, look, it's going to be very interesting to see where this goes because I, I think that we have not heard the last of it. And yes, it's not. Yes, the 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 lease for the silver field is up till twenty thirty three, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean that that's <laughs> you know that, that they can always like cut a check or something. Well, the, well, the NFL have to get involved. I think that's another issue. Like, do they have to kind of like you know you know step in? You know, Roger Goodell have to step in and say, okay, you know what what can be done here? Because if we want to keep it in you know your third largest market, keep it in that third largest market. Is there land anywhere, and especially in downtown? We'll look. We'll ask. We'll ask. You know. Mad Zahn from CBS to Chicago about this, you know, in a little bit, but it, it's just, it's, it's kind of fascinating that we, we talked about this for like the last couple of months, Sid, when this sort of started like being lurking around, but now it looks like it could be a reality. You know, fans are starting to get a little bit nervous. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We talk about the Bears' possible move to Arlington Heights, Illinois, and they, they, their place bid for the purchasing of the Arlington International Racecourse property. Lakina, as you mentioned before about uh, the players, it will work in their favor because they don't have to stay downtown like they have to uh, right now coming in from the suburbs. They have to, they have to I forgot which hotel that they stay at, but they stay at a hotel in downtown Chicago the day before a game at Soldier Field. And so that, that part would, would be cut out. But as far as the fans are concerned, we talked about this uh, the first time, Lakina, uh, us living uh, on the south side of Chicago in the southern suburbs for yours truly, Uh, especially during a a bad uh, weather day, like the team was uh, toward the end of last year, mediocre, barely sneaking to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Do you want to spend close to an hour, hour and a half with a traffic jam along with bad weather to go see a mediocre team? No! (laughs) And let's be honest here, and we said this the first time the story was brought up too, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty damn sure that I'm correct on this. The majority of your season ticket fan base comes from up north in the western suburbs. And so it's going to be easy for them to get to the stadium. If you live in the city, it's going to cut down just a little bit of time from where we live. But still, it's going to take some time to get up there. We know Chicago traffic, especially during the summertime when it's construction season, is bad anyway. It's, it's almost as bad as Los Angeles. Not, we're not quite there yet, thank goodness, but we're almost getting there. You see what it is with no construction. Imagine if a bad weather day happened, whether it's rain, sleet, or snow, and you come from where we are to go up there. Are you kidding me? Especially if the team is not very good, or I mean, exactly good, like you said, do you really are you really gonna drag yourself and go the two hours, you know, two two and a half hours, you know, go up up north to Arlington Heights, where you're kind of you're kind of like right in the middle of that, you know, between Evanston. It's sort of like it's just in the city of Chicago. It's kind of like right, like it's it's go a little bit further north, so. Mm-hmm. It's, gonna, it's definitely going to be a trip for a lot of people, and like it could be, it could be a deterrent for some folks. This is like this might discourage people from go, even even going trying to go to see a Bears game. I mean, yes, you know, Soldier Field for all its quirks and everything else, but at least you're in the city. 
yes, you know, the traffic is exactly. you know, terrible and, you know, the parking is, you know, horrific, but, mm -hmm. you know, you're in the city. So if you go up north, you go two and a half, two and a half hours north, are you really going to want to try to drag yourself into going, doing the two, two and a half hour track, especially since, yes, the metro, there, there is a metro stop that does, that does, you know, will take you to, uh, it's a race course, but do you really think that, you never know, there might be delays there. So, you yeah. Know, you just mm -hmm. don't know. And I think that this is just, I don't know. I think we may not have heard the last of this, but I just feel like it's going to, we'll ask Matt about this later, but I just, th I just think that this is, this could be like maybe a wake up call for the park district to say, you know what, you know, what, whatever you guys need to do. And I think it's unfortunate that the ownership for the bears, I mean, this could have been done like years ago, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have to go through all this, all this red tape, but you know, it is what it is. I'll give you a quick story. I believe I told the story the first time. I know we have some I'm sure new listeners and new viewers. Uh, those are watching on YouTube. Uh, the game that I went to many moons ago, uh, it was. It turned out to be Matt Forte's last game as a bear, and it was Calvin Johnson's last game as a lion. That was back in 2015. My buddy, who who I grew up with in my old neighborhood, he works for Chicago's finest. He knew somebody that lived on one of the properties uh, in downtown Chicago, so he was lucky to get parking there, and he didn't have to pay for it. Maybe he just didn't tell me about, but still, we were able to park fine. We, you do have to walk to Soldier Field, okay? It's about five or six no, blocks, right? Yeah, so there's no CTA bus stop there. There's no Pace bus stop there. Uh, there's another. You could uh, uh, grab the metro from where we are, the Rock Island line to to LaSalle Street Station, but you still had to do some walking. Not as much, but you still had to do some walking, but. Even though this is in a nice scenery area around Macquarie Place, I know Wintrust is a few blocks down from there, mm -hmm. but you had to do some walking. But uh, we were lucky that we didn't have to pay for parking. And like you said, Lakina, just walking through that parking lot that day, I was like, I don't know how people do it. And I know the Bears, Bears, we have the best fans in the league as far as tailgating is concerned, but you have to get there early just to get a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> just to park, <laughs> let alone tailgate. So, like you mentioned, traffic is, is a mess. Uh, I, I think when it all comes down to it, if the Bears should get that bid, the, I think the only choice they have is to get up out of there. Now, if the city can get their heads out of there, you know what's and make a better deal with the Bears, so be it. But right now, if you're the McCassies, if you had a gun to your head, the only choice you have is to leave up and get up out of there because you want to own your own stuff, correct? Oh, yeah. And plus, like you said, if especially, you know, this is a missed opportunity for <laughs> Chicago to get – to get a Super Bowl, to get a Final Four. I mean, I, I mm -hmm. want the, I mean, or the Big Ten, you know, championship or the Big Ten tournament for men's and women's. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want, you want to have that stuff here. So you're sick of, you know, Indianapolis getting all the glory and whatnot. So mm -hmm. it, it's definitely, you know, it should be something that, you know, hopefully this will force everyone to all sides to kind of get to the table and sort of agree on something. Because, look, you don't want to be, you know, I'm sure Mayor Leifer, for all her faults, I'm sure she doesn't want to be known as the mayor that you know that had the Bears lead the city of Chicago. I don't think she doesn't <laughs> want that on her resume. So I think that if nothing else, if she doesn't accomplish anything, they're going to have to try to figure something out. Yeah, and real quick before we move on, looking out, I thought about this this morning. Remember back at 2010 when the whole city of Chicago got upset that we didn't that we lost on the bid for the Olympics, we didn't qualify to get to the next round. Remember that? Oh yeah. This was 11 <laughs> years ago. Yep. Everybody talk about the reason, oh, the violence, the violence, the violence. Not not to make fun of it, but I'm sure that's a small part of it. But let's be real. I think it had something to do with Soldier Field as well. I know yeah. before you yell at me and say, well, so they renovated uh, several years before that bid. 
I guarantee you, if that place was being renovated, that was renovated, they had a dome over it, or if they moved to Arlington Heights or somewhere else that had a retractable roof, we would have been in a better position to get the Olympics. That's the angle that people are not talking about. Everybody wants to bring up violence, violence, violence. Yes, it's sad. Yes, violence is everywhere, including our city. But the, the angle that people are not talking about is a soldier field. You could have used that for a track and field or soccer or other events if you had the Olympics here. But that, I, I believe that that's uh, the, uh, the underground issue that not, nobody's talking about. If soldier field was built differently before they bid in 11 years ago, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah, we lost those Olympics to Rio, and look, Rio's mm -hmm. not exactly, you know, the, the debt of iniquity, so I, I think, yes, as beautiful as it is, but they have their issues, too, with violence, so for anybody that says that, oh, it's because of violence, really? Yeah, we won't, we will, like I said, we won't get into it, but dig mm -hmm. into it, but yeah, I think that's just a... I just wanted to point that out. That's mm -hmm. just an easy excuse, for, I think, for people. That's, use, that's an easy yeah. flesh for folks to use, so I think, I just thought that was, it was stupid then, you know, and it's stupid, even stupider now. Like you said, this story is far from over. It's just uh, we're just getting started with it. The legs are growing like a centipede, and uh, this is going to get interesting as the weeks and days and perhaps years uh, uh, go by. So this is not the last, as you, as you mentioned, that we hear of this. And so let's move forward to baseball. Akina, let's start off with the Southsiders. Despite the 10-2 loss to the Houston Astros on Thursday night, the Sox are in the middle of the four-game series uh, with the Houston Astros. Of course, tonight's game, if you guys listen to us on our podcast version, tonight is Saturday. Today is Saturday. Tonight they'll be on Fox as part of Baseball Night in America. That game will take place at 6.15 p.m. But, Lakina, let's go back to earlier this week. The Tampa Bay Rays came to town. The Sox took two out of three. Tampa Bay won the first game. Tyler Glasnow, who's the starting pitcher for the Rays, we'll get into what, what happened to him in just a moment further. But he left the game in the fourth inning with a right elbow injury. Looks like he made any season-ending surgery. Uh, the Sox won the last two games to take the series, including an uh, extra innings win on Wednesday after blowing a 7-2 lead. The bullpen coughed it up again. Aaron Bummer, I'm losing patience with this guy. <laughs> but thank goodness Yasmani Grandal came through with the game winning hand in the bottom of the 10th inning to secure that win for the Sox. Uh, they have one of the best records in baseball, despite what happened on Thursday in, their, in the first game of that series on the road against Houston. I still like what this team is doing, but Lakina, <sighs> how long can it keep riding Lady Luck? Now, I'm not going to say here that this team is garbage and they're overrated. I'm not doing that. I'm being serious. I'm not just speaking as a quote-unquote meatball fan. I'm looking mm -hmm. at this from the outside in. They're, they're a very good team. As we said, I said before, let's give GM Rick Hahn credit for building depth on this roster. But mm -hmm. how long can you keep riding this? You know what? I think, look, I, I thought about you when Aaron, Aaron Bubba blew that save. I was like, I know Seth's going to have a field day with this <laughs> when they on, on Friday when we record this because I think <laughs> he gave up that – Gave with that seven two lead help well help kind of like led the led the sort of like the Rays rally that you know get gotten the tie but thankfully Grandal was able to pull it out for the Sox late I mean look I think look if nothing else this is a nice confidence booster you know people were wondering that can the Sox beat the top teams in the AL I mean but the, the fact that you you went two out of three against a really good Rays team and. Look, I think that can only help your confidence. We'll see how you do against Houston. Look, Houston's probably an even 
a better team or even tougher team than the Rays. So we'll see what they do with that. And and then look, I think that if you're Rick Hahn, you kind of think you're in a good place. You're in the White Sox right now. Unfortunately, the Indians have been playing pretty good lately too. So you're the kind of sort of still nipping at your heels. They've won four in a row as this recording. Mm-hmm. So they're still kind of like near. That's really we're that's really the only team in the AL Central you have to worry about at this point. But yeah, I mean, I think we could, look if, looking back on that race series, the wins, you know, the, the Tuesday one, which they they lost a tough one there. But look, they were able to look, you know, T, you know, Tim Anderson again has some, you know, good hits late. I, I mean, look, I think that's the, the Monday the Monday uh, matchup, I should say. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when when uh, the, they lost, but look, it's look, you know, Kaika was great, you know, in that three where they shut out the Rays. Mm-hmm. We had a seven solid strong innings. I mean, look, I think that this is what you want to do against sort of like those top tier teams in the AL. If you want to prove that you can be right there in that category with the Rays and the Astros, I think you need to win these series. Yes, as we said before, the schedule only gets tougher for the White Sox. Of course, you you know, mail the series against Houston right now on the road, and then you turn around next weekend to uh, play the Seattle Mariners. So of course, you have Minnesota in there uh, next week as well as you start your home portion uh, of the schedule to end the month of June going into the month of July. So it's important for the Sox to pile up the wins, especially against your division. Of course, you had to get uh, finished with the Astros first this weekend. But it's, it's important to pile up the wins because the schedule's going to get tougher, especially after the All-Star break. And so for the Sox right now, hopefully you don't suffer any more injuries. Um, speaking of injuries, Adam Enos, uh, injured his hamstring, quote-unquote, so he's going to be on a 10-day DL. I know Billy Hamilton, he's due to come off the IL soon. Michael Kope has had a minor setback. He was supposed to be due back this week. Uh, he's had a setback, hopefully. Uh, with his hamstring, it doesn't. It's not anything more serious than it is right now. Because especially after what happened on Wednesday, we all know that the Sox need him for sure. Heaven forbid to have a, a, a devastating injury to their starting rotation. Uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be tough. But also another news as far as the Sox injury front is concerned, Elo Jimenez, who injured his shoulder during the last week of spring training, he's been cleared to participate in baseball activities. Uh, after a month, if he doesn't have any setbacks, he'll go down to Arizona to rehab um, soon for a couple of weeks. So he could be back as early as the first week in August. That's after the July 31st trade deadline. So good news could be arriving for the men on the south side. Yeah, but also on the flip side, too, Magical designed to have surgery. So he's mm-hmm. in for the year. So there's sort of like a kind of a trade-off there. So you hope that the White Sox, they can't afford to have any more injuries, especially in their starting pitching staff. If, God forbid, if Lance Lynn gets hurt or if Yoji Leo gets hurt or if Keiko gets hurt, I mean, and then you're really going to have problems with the White Sox. So they've been very fortunate that even though despite the injuries, they got one of the best records in the, in the major. So, you know, kudos to them, the fact that they've been able to do this, but you just imagine how much better of a record they would have had it has, you know, if, you know, everyone was mostly everybody was healthy. So, but the fact that they've been able to kind of stay afloat, I think it's a good thing. It is a good thing. So we'll see what happens with the White Sox as they continue their series on the road against Houston this weekend. Let's go over to the north side, Lakina. The Cubs, seems like the Cubs couldn't catch a break in the Big Apple this week, losing three out of four to the Mets. They avoided a sweep on Thursday, uh, defeating the Mets by the score of 2 nothing. Calvin Hendricks clearly pitching his best game of the season shutting out the Mets. Marcus Stroman uh, did a heck of a job on the flip side for New York. 
but uh, the Mets, as usual, cannot muster up any offense. Does that sound familiar, the team that they beat three other times this week? Yes, it does. But <laughs> Cal Hendricks pitched six innings of shutout ball, only gave up two hits, walked two batters, but struck out seven. Lakina, this is just a perfect timing for Cal Hendricks. We talked about him in our last episode with his start last Saturday in front of a national audience against St. Louis. He didn't pitch his best, but you can see that he was starting to build up his confidence. He was backed up by a great offense of outburst. And so the Cubs got the win there in his start. Uh, the, uh, there was not much offense uh, on Thursday, but it was very much in need. It was uh, enough to defeat the Mets and to avoid being swept. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they needed that. They needed to salvage that series because, you know, there were a couple of games in that Mets series that they slipped away. The the three, the second game of that four-gamer, I think they kind of let that mm-hmm. slip away. You know, they, they, they were tied at two, but you know, just couldn't have messed with the offense. You can kind of mm-hmm. say this time I said the Wednesday one with DeGrom, you know, he had to, he had to pull out you know, early with the injury. Thankfully, it's not mm-hmm. too serious for him, but you know, it was definitely a, a big ask for them. But I think, look, the good news for the Cubs is that the other teams behind them, you know, have had their issues too this week. The Brewers yeah. got swept, you know, they're serious, got swept by the Reds of all people. <laughs> you know, they've been playing better. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's just crazy. And, you know, the, the, the Cardinals have had their issues, too. So the good thing for the Cubs that, if, you know, everyone else has lost. So they've been kind of like, oh, okay, so cool. So they're up a game right mm-hmm. now. They got look, they got Miami. You know, they, they you know, gave them issues. You know, they knocked them out of the playoffs last year. I think they should be some mm-hmm. type of revenge. But the Marlins got a pretty a good young team. But there's no reason why the Cubs shouldn't win, at least win the series. You know, maybe, you know, might be a big stretch for them to sweep. But, you're better than the Marlins. They should be able to win that, at the very least, win two out of three in that series. And and look, I think if we get you know get a good you know good start from Hendricks, you know, uh, look, I think that you can definitely you know have the season's opportunity because you have a tough schedule. You have Cleveland, you know, on Monday. Then you got four at mm-hmm. at the Dodgers. Then you got four at Milwaukee. So the next week's games are going to you know go into the next weekend will be very very tough for the. Cause, but you know, first things first, you got Davies, Arietta, Alec Mills. You should be able to mm-hmm. win two out of three in that in that Marlin series. And look, I think Hendricks. We're starting to see kind of Hendricks get into that groove that we're used to seeing him. So that's you know that's always a good thing. And look, I think if you're the Cubs, I think you're in a really good spot right now. Also, too, for the Cubs, hopefully a couple of your starting pitchers may have seen the light as well. We talked about Zach Davies' performance on last Sunday night against the Cardinals from a national audience. He pitched seven innings to shut out ball as well. And so you hopefully he's turned the corner. Jake Arrieta, as we told you guys, you don't expect 2016 or 2015 Jake Arrieta. What he gives you now is what he has. Hopefully you could get some a little bit more lady luck, as we say, out of, out of him. I know he's been uh, struggling with recently. I know his last night he looked okay, but the Cubs didn't win it. But hopefully you can get uh, uh, some more consistent starting pitching. Your bullpen has been lights out. Uh, hopefully the offense can um, use some rejuvenation again. It got stalled in New York. And like you said, uh, the Marlins are coming to town. You, you better not overlook them. But the offense can use some rejuvenation again. Jack Peterson is coming through. Uh, you talk about Jason Hayward, of course, Chris Bryant is starting to have a bounce back here. Anthony Rizzo is doing his thing at the plate. So hopefully the Cubs can use the Marlins as batting practice this weekend at Wrigley Field to uh, get their offense back on track. And like you said, it, it'll be ideally for them to sweep, but realistically I expect them to take two out of three. 
yeah, kind of fish. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely think they should be able to do just that. And I think, like I said before, the other, like the other, the other teams that division have not, <laughs> like I said, have not been very good. Like the Brewers got swept by the by the Reds, and I think that's sort of like that's helped them. You know, yes, you had your problems, but so did everyone else in your division. So, you know, it's it's yeah. Like a, yeah, the Reds have won seven of their last ten, so they may have to worry about them. You might not. I I doubt it, but. And the Cardinals went to lost two out of three in their series. So, look, I think the only good thing about the you know the good news is if you are one of this look at, look at this as a Cubs fan, that if everyone else in your division, you know, with exception of the Cincy, you know, have not been playing very well, so you're like, oh, okay, we'll just be kind of like the this you know the the, the team that kind of gets out of that at this point. Yeah, and like you, like we said before with the White Sox, you, you the Cubs take care of business against lesser opponents, especially the teams with the division. Like you mentioned, they have a tough week ahead with the Indians coming here for two on the north side. And, of course, you had to go back on the road for four next weekend at the Dodgers. So uh, you have a, a, a tough test coming up to end the month of June, uh, heading to the month of July. And so – if you're the coach, you just got to pile up the wins. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just take care of your business. You should be okay. Absolutely. You listen to Second City Sports Zoom style <laughs> along with Cindy Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Okay, Sid, what what impressed you so far this week in MLB? <laughs> I, I knew you was going to ask that. I don't know if you listened to this, but I was listening to uh, an L.A. sports radio station, the home of the Dodgers. You folks uh-huh. can Google it up yourself. Um, Trevor Bauer was yes. talking <laughs> to the press. I don't know if you heard this. but um, uh, he, uh, he did this. Some people will call it trick. This was, I believe, before Tuesday night's game against Philadelphia, which I, uh, they couldn't complete the sweep. They won two out of three. Talking about the Dodgers over the Phillies. Uh, Trevor Bauer was talking about how you know Major League Baseball is banning these foreign substances for these pitchers to use. Uh, they was talking about these pitchers were some of the some of the pitchers around baseball were warned about it that this would be coming ahead ahead of time. And Trevor Bauer just used sweat and some other substance that I'm assuming that was not banned. And he showed it to all these reporters. And he said, will I get caught by doing this now? I'm just paraphrasing here. And if you guys know about Trevor Bauer, he's been outspoken. He's been doing this his whole career. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, he does have a point, but are you trying to be slick to, uh, uh, to get away with something that you know you shouldn't be doing? Or are you just being Trevor Bauer? And just flung your attitude and saying, come get me, Major League Baseball. You can't do you-know-what to me. He's basically daring them, right? So like, especially since they are That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> yeah, it just sounded like, hey, you know what? Hey, I, I use this stuff over here. You guys are cracking down on it. Hey, hello. Uh, you know, come on. <laughs> it, was just, it was crazy how he did it. You know, he's just, he's a little bit of out there, you know, personality-wise anyway. But, yeah, I mean, that, that whole thing is just, you know, look, it won't affect either one of the teams here in Chicago because most of those pitchers don't use those type of foreign substances. But it will affect guys like on the Dodgers, like Garrett Cole from the Yankees. Mm. I think that those are probably going to be the pitchers that are going to be affected by this and this new rule. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of weird that they're waiting till like about halfway through the season to crack down, to crack out, crack down on these type of things. It's just, I just find it very amusing. Yeah, I, I, after this, it'll be something else. So as we talked about this before, Lincoln, about a week or so ago, we know cheating has been part of baseball forever. Excuse me. People have used uh, other substances to get an advantage. We know hitters have used uh, other substances, i.e., Mr. Needle, as I call it, steroids, <laughs> especially during the late '90s and the early 2000s. 
but baseball needed the juice, excuse the expression, as far as bringing fans back into the game, i.e. that 98 home run chase, but we'll leave that alone. But we know cheating has been part of the game. If it's not one thing, it's another. I think it's just this will eventually blow over. I don't know why people are getting so upset about. Maybe I'm missing something. Help me out. But well, you know, I don't know curious. why people are getting so upset about. This ain't nothing new, folks. It's been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, well, I think Cole kind of said himself, look, I, I was taught in Little League to do this. So I think mm-hmm. you know, for people to say that suddenly it's becoming a big issue, I think it's just silly. Because I guess because the home run numbers are not very good right now. You know, for I know the batting average is not good either. I no, get it, but you think this is just going to stop it? No. Yeah, I think they're looking for something. Even though the Rays have actually been pretty good for the for uh, for baseball on television, I think that maybe they think that this will get it even higher if we get people to sort of like you know play with the you know, the balls and sort of like let it you know so we can have more hits or have more home runs. Like I guess those numbers are down, and then there are a lot more strikeouts. So I, I guess this is probably why kind of the answer to kind of you know prevent a lot of that, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it baffling to me that uh, the pe- some some folks, not everybody, but some folks that they claim they've been covering baseball for a long time now, they find some I find this issue is uh, a new issue. You are outraged, really, <laughs> really. Well, you know how I don't is. get it. Well, some people need something to be outraged about, I guess, but uh, it, it's crazy to, to, and that this is a kind of big issue, even though people have been, pitchers have been doing this for over 100 years, so I don't know why exactly. this is, you know, this is now becoming a big issue, but I, I guess they need something to kind of get those home run numbers up, that's the only thing I can think of, that why they would even want to do this. But, All like, right, before... But, but, but just want to say, you know, unfortunately, the bad part about it, the Diamondbacks, they lost their 23rd straight road game. <laughs> yeah, you know, but the longest road losing trick in the modern era, like all the way back to 1963, the Mets they lost two 22-0. Now they've lost the Diamondbacks have now lost 23. They have not. They last won a home uh, a road game, I should say, back in April 25th. That was enough before the NBA's play-in tournament. So you can <laughs> the, the Diamondbacks have gotten rid of a lot of their their hitting people, their hitting coaches, their hitting staff. I guess they they replace everybody. I don't know. Uh, clearly, that hasn't made a difference. So. Speaking of those Diamondbacks, as we preview this weekend's series from across baseball, the Diamondbacks will host the L.A. Dodgers uh, <laughs> this weekend, of course. The L.A. Dodgers. And guess who was pitching in that first game? And we'll have, <laughs> we'll, have a, we'll have a report on this on our next episode for Tuesday. Trevor Bauer will open up as the Dodgers pitcher in that, starting pitcher in that series. So we'll see what happens, happens there. Other uh, series to uh, take a look at. Cleveland's at Pittsburgh to take on the Pirates for you Sox fans that are interested. The New York Mets will travel to our nation's capital to face the Nationals. The Oakland A's will take on the New York Yankees. I'll be watching that one closely. The Toronto Blue Jays will go to Baltimore to take on the Orioles. The Cardinals uh, and the Braves will get together in the NL battle uh, down there in Atlanta. And Atlanta really needs to turn around. No, they won the first game of the series on Thursday after being embarrassed by Boston early in the week. Of course, you have the Miami Marlins and the Cubs here in Chicago. Minnesota at the Texas Rangers at Globe Life Field. The Boston Red Sox will go to Kansas City to take on the Royals. <clears throat> of course, you have the White Sox and the Astros. Milwaukee Brewers will take on the Colorado Rockies. The Detroit Tigers, A.J. Hinch cheating ass, <laughs> will take on Joe Manns and uh, Anaheim Angels. The Phillies will battle the Giants. We have some news on that in just a moment. 
the Reds and the Padres. They'll be the third game on Fox Saturday Baseball tonight. Only a small portion of the country will get to look at that. And then you have Tampa Bay at Seattle. Lakina, let's go to Philadelphia and the Giants. Quick news there. Uh, uh, the Peacock Network will, mm-hmm. uh, will have exclusive streaming for all three games of that series. Uh, uh, unless you have the MLB TV package or bootleg cable. You will not be able to watch those <laughs> games on t- television. That's a good for a terrorist, Tomlin would say, from the It's the Big City of Chicago. But unless you have the MLB TV package or uh, stream, stream uh, Peacock TV, you won't be able to watch th- that series this weekend via your television. Yeah, and, and I don't know like, if you read that. Yeah, I saw that on the. Uh, yeah, I saw that somewhere, and I think you know, is this going to be a trend where you're going to have some of these series going to be exclusively on the Peacock Network? Now, will it be through their free app or will it be part of their premium service? Because a premium service, I think it's like like five like like five dollars, I think three or five, three mm-hmm. or four dollars. So, are people going to? Is this going to be sort of the wave of the future? I I, I hope not, because like I said, people want options. And mm-hmm. look, I think that people are cutting the cord already as far as tr- the traditional cable service. Yeah, but you got a lot of tr- you got a lot of your know, purists, so I don't think that this might be one of those days where okay, maybe every few weeks you know you have one series, you pick a series, and you know let's just put that on the Peacock app. I mean, I think this is actually a big series for both teams. You know, they're both near the top. I'm mean, Phillies in the second in the National League East. You know, San Fran is leading the NL West right now, and. Like I think you, if you really want to have you know that type of exposure, I think put it in this series exclusively on the Peacock Network is probably or your Peacock app, I should say, probably not a good way to do it. But again, that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll see what happens that this becomes a trend for the weeks and years to come as we uh, find new ways to stream our live sports programming. You're listening to Second City Sports Weekend Edition along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. Lakeem, let's close out this first segment of talking about the uh, NBA playoffs since we have a few minutes left. Let's go to the Eastern Conference. We'll have, uh, we'll have a, a Game 7 between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in Game 6 on Thursday night. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks stayed off elimination by defeating the Brooklyn Nets by 15 points, 104 to 89. Chris Milton stepped up for Milwaukee, had a game-high 38 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Kevin Durant led Brooklyn with 32 points, 11 rebounds, and 3 assists. Lakina, of course, the symbol Kyrie won't be back for the rest of this series. I don't know if he's going to be back for the rest of the playoffs should Brooklyn advance. Milwaukee finally got a big performance out of uh, Mr. Middleton. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a.k.a. the Greek Free, did his thing. Can they do that one more time on the road this weekend at Brooklyn? I have a big question mark about that. And you know why. Uh, yeah, I, I do know why, and I and I'm, I'm having that look. I have that same question too. I mean, do I really expecting you know Chris Mill to have a 38 point performance on Game Seven? I doubt that. I think the Nets are. I I really believe the Nets are going to pull this out. I think they don't want to go out like that. And it's going to be it's going to be at home. So yeah, I think that that'll help. That should help them a little mm-hmm. bit. But again, they need to if they can just jump on the Bucks early. I think they should be able to kind of like you know put the step the foot on the gas and go for the knockout punch right away because if they let the Bucks hang on and hang around, you know, you're going to give them, give them more and more confidence and you don't want that if you're in the net. So if you want to try, try, try for, try and go for the knockout, for the knockout punch early. That's really the best way to do it. They kind of did that in terms of Brooklyn. They kind of did that on Tuesday in game five. Of course, Kevin Durant had a triple double with 49.17 rebounds and 10 assists. Uh, they're going to need that effort from him again. But as we said before, Lakina, 
with Kyrie being out, it's going to have to be a collective effort. Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, Nicholas mm-hmm. Claxton, everybody is, is going to have to chip in. If you ride on Kevin Durant's back, we don't know how long he's he's going to last. So it's, it's going to be another total team effort again. They kind of did that in the first half on Thursday, but the second half they just ran out of gas. Hopefully yeah. the home court advantage will help them uh, this time. Yeah, hopefully this will help them rejuvenate them because I, th- I think hopefully a little home cooking helps. But if they could be sort of the team that we saw in game five where it was a collective effort and look, you can tell that KD just didn't have the, the energy in game six, yeah, I was not surprised that they were able to kind of, you know, shoot all over, that Milton was was able to shoot all over him the way he did. But, look, they need to, like you said, they need to get their, their role players, need to step up and help them out, like you said. So they definitely need to kind of, like, show up. So hopefully they can do that. Okay. The other Eastern Conference final series, of course, as of this recording, game six has already been played between the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll give you our Siskel and Eber review on our episode for Tuesday. But let's talk about game five. Lakina, of course, Atlanta, as of this recording, leads that series, best of seven series, three games to two. Uh, this past Wednesday, the Hawks uh, trailed by as many as 26 points. Uh, they rallied to beat Philadelphia on their home court, 109 to 106. Trey Young had 39 points. Joel Embiid had 37 points, 13 rebounds. Lakina, <laughs> who who deserves the most blame pie for this one? The Philadelphia players first, then Doc Rivers second. Ben Simmons, I'm done with you. If I'm a Philadelphia fan, I'm done with you. Someone actually I'm done. said, excuse me, someone actually said that maybe the Bulls should try to get Ben Simmons. No! Stop it! Stop it! I'm a Rob Rob Parker of FS1. Stop it! (laughs) Yeah, it just it just sounded really stupid. But again, we won't go there. Hope that'll never happen. But yeah, I think look, where where was the other guys to kind of help him out? Eight points, eight points, really, really? Excuse me, really, Ben Simmons, only eight points, really, really, dude. Tobias Harris. He can't shoot a damn free throw. You got to be kidding me. I right? God, really? That was just so stupid. Four for 14 for, for the free throws. No wonder guys you know, were able to foul him. You know, wanted to foul him because, you know, he's not going to hit your free throws. But Tobias Harris, though, I mean, you, you stepped up before in the playoffs. You scored 20, 25 points in the playoffs before. Only four points that game? Come on. I mean, look, there needs to be, like, some accountability. I know it's easy for people to blame Doc Rivers, but I don't think this is, he's all to blame. The guys on the court need to step up. Ben Simmons, you hit your free throws. Tobias Harris, you just shoot your shots. You know, take some more shots, take some more chances. So they need to look. If you look, Atlanta's got all the confidence going into game six right now. They think they can win the series. I don't think they will, but if you want to look, let's get, you know, let, let's get some going here. You go know, trust the process. If you want your Sixers fans to trust the process, but it's not working for you. So you better get it together. Steph Curry, you know, Seth Curry, I should say. You need to get it together too. So, it, of course, you know, Philly's going to be on the golf course if they don't, you know, step up. And you only had 13 points from your bench. Uh, uh, talking about Philadelphia, that's that that's uh, very inexcusable. Well, like I said, we'll have uh, our, our review of, of this series coming up on our next episode on Tuesday. Uh, we may be talking about Philadelphia going on a golf course. So, but, but like I said, we shall see if game six, uh, like I said, we already took place as, uh, as we record this uh, game six, where have been played by the time this episode is released. So 
We'll see what happens. Look, you know, I know we're going to have a whole lot more to talk about. Oh, we'll yeah. be talking about the game seven or <clears throat> will we talk about the early vacation for the Sixers or we shall see. We may talk about another early vacation for another team. And that's the Utah Jazz. Of course, uh, this past Wednesday, uh, the LA Clippers got the best of the Utah Jazz without Kawhi Leonard. Paul George stepped up with 37 big points, grabbed 16 rebounds. Bojan Bajanovic for Utah scored 32 points. Lakina, the Clippers hung tough on the road, and it was capped off by that dunk by Terrence Mann, the second-year man, or yes. Rudy Gobert with less than two minutes left to go. Uh, the, if the Clippers weren't inspired by then, I don't know what was. Of course, the first two games of this series, uh, the Clippers failed to execute down the stretch. Game five was a total different story. Yeah, and you got to look. I think we've been waiting for a playoff. Paul George, we finally got him. You know, he's the first player, mm-hmm. you know, in Clippers history to score 35 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists. I mean, you could tell they were inspired by Kyrie. I know, you know, we know how Kyrie is. Maybe he might give him a pep talk before the game. And they're in the driver's seat. <laughs> well, look, I mean, look, they're in the driver's seat now, I think, because with Donovan Mitchell still banged up with that ankle injury, you know, mm-hmm. he's questionable. So, you know, this is sort of the Clippers' chance to kind of go for the knockout punch to see if hopefully, maybe, hopefully, you know, Kawhi could be back, you know, by the series with the Suns who are having their own issues. But, you know, we probably will we'll try to go, go to the, you know, get to that in a little bit. But, look, I, look, I was kind of surprised that they were able to pull this performance off because, like, everybody was already sort of, like, writing their playoff obituary, you know. Oh, look, mm-hmm. they're, they're done. You know, Kyrie's out for who knows how long, and they're, they're finished. But, you know, look, I mean. Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, look, Kawhi, I mean, <laughs> and, you know, they, they step, look, I mean, Reggie Jackson stepped up. I mean, he, yeah, that's probably definitely a, a career playoff high for him. You know, Marcus Morris Sr., I mean, look, this is like this guy yes. we've seen before, you know, with 25 points. He has some big shots, also has some key boards there. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, Terrence Mann as well. So, sort of nice balanced scoring for the Clippers. And, look, it's PG's team now, for, at least for right now. So, I think, you know, it's, it's good that he's finally playing like it. Yeah, on the flip side for the Utah Jazz, of course, I mentioned Bayana Bogdanovich had 32 points a team high. Donovan Mitchell, he scored 21, but he only had uh, four or 14 shots from three-point land and six of 19 overall. Uh, they uh, they had Jordan Clarkson scoring 50 points off the bench, but after that, they only had two points off their bench. That's not going to get it done, uh, as I mentioned before with the other uh, series. Uh, game six would already been played, so hopefully if you're a Clippers fan, they, were, uh, they will, would have wrapped it up. But we'll maybe talk about a, a, game, a game seven recap for our next episode coming up on Tuesday. So uh, we shall see. But as far as this Kawhi injury, if it's an ACL that's going to be a problem, but we'll see what happens. It's not official yet, but I know the Clippers uh, fear that it's an ACL ACL injury. Of course, Kawhi Leonard suffered that in game four uh, uh, the other day. Uh, it's not looking good for the Clippers, but you just got to control what you control if you're the Clippers. Just finish off the Utah Jazz, and we'll see if you know, the, they can face the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference final. Yeah, like I said before, Donovan Mitchell is questionable, so he's not 100% either. So if the Clippers can kind of take advantage of that, I think they're 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 good. They're golden. Hopefully, they can get some rest, and we'll see what happens if if we get to uh, if the Clippers are able to finish off the Jazz. All right, real quickly, Keenan, before we close out this first segment, Chris Paul, he's in uh, COVID-19 protocol. Uh, the, if you believe the reports uh, out, there has been servicing out there that. 
has been saying that uh, he did take the vaccine for the COVID-19. Now, we, we said on the show before, even if you get the vaccine, it does not protect you for it. It's not a cure. You can still get it, but it won't be as severe. We don't know how long it's going to be out, but it seems to me not just for the Phoenix Suns, but for the rest of the teams remaining in the playoffs, whoever's the healthiest is going to win this title this year. I love the fact that folks are already saying that there should be an asterisk of whoever wins the title because of all the I was going to bring that up. <laughs> of all the, and everything else that's been happening. But, I mean, like, it's just a tough break for CP3. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I guess the word is that he was around someone that had COVID. And, you know, I guess he had a positive test. He had to go into you know, the protocols. But, you know, hopefully he'll be – he'll probably miss, you know, game one at most. You know, because I guess he had to, he did take the vaccine, and you know, people are going to the whole thing about yo, you should take the okay. You know, we won't go there, but you know, hopefully, you know, he won't miss. You know, he might miss you know game one, and that's it. But this is definitely a tough break for him in the sense. But the good news is that they're they're resting now, so in a way, this kind of like is a good thing. Yeah, we'll see what happens. As uh, we talked about before, the Phoenix Suns—they've uh, been the most popular team and the most. Uh, surprising team in this playoffs. Give head coach Monty Williams his credit and other role players as well. At least we know for game one, they're going to have to step in and step up. It's going to be a team effort, whoever they face, whether it's Utah or the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, at least for game one. Perhaps maybe even the first two games of the series, you may be without Chris Paul. So it's going to be a team effort. So it's going to be a challenge for those guys. But let's see what head coach Monty Williams does. He's done a terrific job and they're going to have to uh, rally. He's going to have to rally the, the troops and to go um, to go forward in this journey for the uh, NBA's Western Conference Finals. Segment number one is in the books. Segment number two will be on the flip side. Matt Zahn, sports anchor of CBS2 Chicago, will join us. We'll discuss uh, the, the Bears. We'll discuss all the other teams from Chicago and from, from Chicago that he covers the, the Bulls, Blackhawks, White Sox, Cubs, and everything else in between, and we'll have a whole lot more fun. You, you're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. We'll see and hear you on the other side. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. And pardon the bad voice of mine. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. Yeah, Lakina is uh, persevering through this, folks. She does not sound like Marge Simpson's sister, so save <laughs> the jokes, save the jokes. <laughs> you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, first on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can go to War on Anchor to catch the audio version of this podcast, which drops, excuse me, every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, the audio versions drop every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. We are available on podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. Go to our website, weareregalradio.com. For, for more information and you can follow us on all social media platforms including right here on youtube that's facebook twitter and instagram and youtube at war media once again at w-a-r-r media that's facebook twitter instagram and here on youtube and thank you in advance for your support like share subscribe and tell your friends
Yes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And we are unapologetically fun. Uh, programming note, Matt Zahn of CBS2 Chicago was supposed to join us here uh, t today where we're scheduled to have him on again down the road. Lakina, let's start off this uh, second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports by talking about potential coaching changes uh, in the NBA. Of course, Rick Carlisle uh, notified the Ma Dallas Mavericks organization that he will not return. Of course, you have Stan Van Gundy that uh, he and the New Orleans Pelicans, quote-unquote, parted ways. We already know that there's a coaching change that's going to happen in Indianapolis. The Pacers will be looking for a new head coach there. The Portland Trailblazers said goodbye to Terry Stotts a couple of weeks ago. So there's about four or five teams that I named already, Lakina. If I missed any, please let me know. But uh, we all know that covering and talking about professional sports, there's going to be head coaching changes every year. The NBA is no different. And Rick Carlisle, you can add his name to the list. We talked about this before we started recording. That Rick Carlisle, he's been with the Mavericks 14 years. He gave that franchise his only championship back in 2011. He's one of the best young head coach, best head coaches in the league. I think he's still president of the uh, National Basketball Head Coaches Association. I believe he's still the president of that. But uh, it, uh, for a team that's buying for his services, you, uh, if he wants to continue coaching, he shouldn't be un unemployed for long. Yeah, if you read his statement, um, again, pardon for the voice, folks, but if you read his statement, it kind of sounds like he's already looking for his next chapter, or he probably may have already have a next chapter already lined up. So I'm wondering, like, maybe Boston, he won a championship there. Maybe Portland, maybe. Washington, remember, mm -hmm. too, Scotty Brooks, you know, he's, they, you know, failed to come mm -hmm. to an agreement. So now they're looking for a new head coach. Also, Orlando, don't forget about them, Sid. So, yeah, so there's still some muscle. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. is Orlando. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that is true. And also, too, Stan Van, you know, not a, I'm not really surprised about the Stan Van situation because it, like, it doesn't seem like it was, it was a good fit from the get-go. And if you read the reports, you know, Zion and his family are not very happy with the direction the franchise seemed to be going. So that's another issue. So you got to think Boston is probably the most sought-after job in the league I think mm -hmm. but yeah it's gonna be yeah but I don't think Mr. Carlisle is gonna be out out of a job very long like I said before I mean he could go to Portland he could go to Boston you know like I said he won a title there as a player so I'm it's gonna be very interesting to see what, where he goes let me bring up this team Lakina <laughs> you know where I'm going with this should the Milwaukee Bucks lose this series to the um to the Brooklyn Nets on, on Sunday and Mike, if the Milwaukee's management will can do the right thing and give Mike Boonholzer his walking papers. I see Rick Carlisle as the perfect fit up there. Yeah, yeah. It should be a no-brainer. <clears throat> yeah, I could definitely should see be a no-brainer. I can definitely see that work him, you know, coaching Giannis and them. I think that definitely is mm -hmm. a good fit there. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, like I said, there's a lot of coaching spots. I mean, the, the stuff with Dallas, I mean, it's kind of interesting because we, there was some stuff that came out about Dallas. You know, Mark Cuban said it's not true, but then you, know, you find out what happened with Rick Carlisle. So it's just crazy that that whole thing has transpired in the last week or two in Dallas. But yeah, definitely, like, it's going to be very interesting. You know, Portland would be a good spot for him, too. So, you know, Coach and Dame, maybe they'll get Dame to stay. You know, maybe the quiet, some of the rumors mm -hmm. that he might want to leave. So we'll see. It's, it's going to be very interesting. <clears throat> yeah, you would think that uh, that Portland would be the obvious choice for Rick Carlisle, but like you said, uh, if uh, should 
uh, uh, Damian Lillard decide to tell management that he wants to be traded, uh, there goes uh, that team. But Rick Carlisle has options. So, uh, like I said, Milwaukee would be the perfect fit should they lose this series to Brooklyn. Uh, But Mike Budenholzer, we don't know what he did with Atlanta a few years ago. It was kind of a smoke and mirrors. So that was when LeBron James came back to Cleveland the second time. Excuse me for shaking my screen for those of you watching. Um, uh, we all know that Atlanta, those were good Atlanta teams, but they just couldn't get over the hump because they didn't have LeBron James. Cleveland did. Atlanta didn't. But now with Milwaukee, you're going from point A to point B. Now if you're Milwaukee, now since you resigned Giannis Antetokounmpo before uh, the, the season tipped off, you have the roster, but you need a coach to get you from point B to point C to take that team to the, to the next level and bring that championship to Milwaukee for the first time since 1971. I think that Rick Carlisle would be the perfect coach uh, for that Bucks team. Like I said, that'd be a good fit. I think he could coach Giannis. He'd kind of take his game to a mm-hmm. whole nother level. I mean, look, like I said, he will, he'll have his pick of teams. There is no doubt. He definitely has a resume for it. So to have, you know, to have that, you know, have that stature. So he'll definitely have his choice of teams. Like I said, Washington could probably be a good fit for him too. I mean, mm-hmm. Beal and Westbrook. So it'll be very interesting to see where he goes. Like I said, the, the offseason NBA mm-hmm. is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Browns. We talk about uh, uh, coaching uh, changes in the National Basketball Association. Lakina, before we move on, I'll ask you who you think would be the perfect candidate to replace Stan Van Cundy in New Orleans. I know Jason's kid's name's been thrown out there. He cannot take uh, David Griffith's job as GM. That's for that's for damn sure. But mm-hmm. I, I know that. Uh, that he was a point guard, Hall of Fame point guard. Of course, Alonzo Ball's down there. Assuming that he doesn't leave, I'm talking about Alonzo Ball or get straight or whatever, Jason Kidd would be the perfect coach for him. How do you see this all playing out? Or do you yeah. think Sam Cassell could be a, a perfect candidate and wouldn't now more jobs open? It's hard to believe that he hasn't had a chance to have a job yet, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. sort of weird. You know, he's been an assistant for over a decade now, and it's sort of odd that he has not – it's got to be something that – that's, has, he has not been able to get over that hump, get that first coaching job. Now, Teresa Witherspoon, mm-hmm. who was a Hall of Fame player in her own right, there was rumors that she they might just promote from within. They make her head coach. Like, there's definitely going to be some names that are going to be floating out there. Chauncey Billups' name has been thrown out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, there's a like there's going to be a lot of a coach. The coaching carousel continues, no doubt. Yeah, just hope personally that hopefully Sam Cassell, you know, the Clippers as of this recording is technically still in playoffs. Hopefully he, he can uh, get some interviews, uh, but they, uh, the Clippers continue on this road. Uh, he'll just have to wait his turn just a little bit longer. So uh, Jason Kidd, he, he's still on the list, as we mentioned before. Uh, hopefully Sam Cassell, he'll be uh, given more opportunities to get interviews. So I know he's been chomping at the bit for a long time. I know he's been an uh, assistant coach ever since his playing days came to an end about a decade ago. So he's won, worked under Doc Rivers for the majority of the time. And so he's working on the Ty Lu now w- with the Clippers. So uh, we'll, we'll see if Sam Cassell can get his chance. So it, it's going to be interesting. The carousel is always going round and round the NBA. So uh, it, it should be interesting as we approach uh, the end of the playoffs and as the summer uh, goes along. Lakina, let's move on to the world of football. Uh, RG3, i.e. Robert Griffith III, uh, 
for the for those of you that want to know his government name uh this comes to our friends from awful announcing rg3 is drawing interest from espn and fox with both networks bidding for his services there's still a possibility that uh, that RG3 could return for his eighth season. The last couple of years, he's been backing up Lamar Jackson as a member of the Baltimore Ravens. After three seasons as a backup a quarterback with Baltimore, as, as I just mentioned, RG3 could land with another team or he can sign with uh, one of these uh, networks. As first reported by Alkid Griffin, recently auditioned for both ESPN and Fox Sports, and both networks were impressed by his showing. The New York Post, Andrew Marshawn, Followed up with a report by the network executive said that Griffith's audition was among the best they've ever seen. As a result, ESPN and Fox are engaged in a bidding war for RG3 services. According to Marshawn, ESPN increased its offer to Griffith to overtake wherever interest Fox is showing. Continuing, known as a dual threat quarterback throughout his career, Griffith could also be a dual uh, broadcaster threat, providing analysis for NFL and college football. As we continue here, ESPN obviously has more opportunities for Griffith, whether it's a game uh, analysis, studio work, or appearances throughout the network program, including SportsCenter, Get Up, and College Football Live. But Fox, offers, Fox also offers multiple platforms in addition to game broadcasts and pre- and post-game coverage, such as, such as First Things First, Undisputed, The Herd with Colin Cowherd, and Speak for Yourself. Griffith hasn't drawn any, drawn any reported interest from CBS, which has auditioned Alan Smith, which we talked about last week, Mark Sanchez, uh, according to Marshawn, and Joey Galloway. But CBS does not have to hire anyone to replace Rich Gannon on his roster of NFL game analysts and doesn't offer as many college football opportunities nor studio platforms available at ESPN and Fox. Lakina, this has been a trend for the, uh, for the last, I would say, 15 years, perhaps 20 years, if you're a former athlete, if you could communicate your message well and draw interest, especially in the social media age with clickbait going on <laughs> and instant reaction. If you're a former athlete who is popular, that it can articulate well and provide uh, uh, analysis that no one else has ever heard or you can present it well, you'll get a job. Well, if you like, like Edgar Marshall said in his reporting with RG3, that it was, you know, execs were telling him that it, his audition was the best they'd ever seen, or one of the best they'd ever seen. So he could definitely cover both pro and college. And there's definitely, I, I guess ESPN has amped up their, uh, their offer to him. Now he can easily go back to playing at Baltimore because, you know, he's a very popular guy in the locker room there. But if he decides, I think ESPN would probably be the best place for him since he can do a college game and do studio work. He can do pro and perhaps maybe do some weekly appearances like Get Up and maybe perhaps make an appearance on Monday Night Countdown. Um, look, I think he's, look, he's a very smart guy. He's very articulate. And if you, kinda, if you mm-hmm. heard him when he, read the Heisman, when he won the Heisman Trophy, you know, he, he sounded like he could be a guy that has a future, that has a future mm-hmm. in uh, television, so television media. And but this is a guy who's well-respected around the league. So I'm not surprised that these networks are vying for his services. I think, you know, he can definitely break down the, he's done some things with Leisure Report where he's done like the quarterback and stuff. So, and don't be surprised if CBS decides to give him a tryout, even though as of right now, they haven't. I'm sure they probably heard the buzz and hmm, maybe we should, maybe we should bring him on and see what he can do. So. You know, I'm interested to see what he does. I mean, like I said, he's only 31, so he may want to go at it one more time. So I'm sure those jobs are going to be waiting for him. But 
you know, I could definitely see him going that route, television he choose to, which I'm sure that's probably what he wants to do. Yeah, he can get that Michael Strahan deal uh, if he decides to come back to play one more season. A job will be waiting for him uh, at the end of the season if he decides to go back and play for Baltimore or whoever wants to sign up for his services. Uh, the same thing happened with Drew Brees last year. Remember last year he came back. Of course, mm-hmm. he's retired now. He's going to do going to going to do Notre Dame football for NBC. I'm sure he's going to do some stuff for Sunday Night Football as well. So, uh, RG3, like you mentioned, he's an uh, articulate guy. He, he could do both if he goes to either Fox or ESPN. Me personally, I would like to see him at ESPN, but if Fox takes him, they usually take uh, chances on guys there that, uh, that are getting to the business. You, you see what they're doing with LeVar Arrington, Antoine Walker. And so uh, if, they, if Fox wants to take a chance on RG3, uh, they can go do so. Look at what they're doing with Michael Vick. They, put, they, they had him on. They, they still have him on the uh, – Fox NFL kickoff. That's the pregame to the main pregame show on Sundays during the NFL season. So, RG uh, three has his options, and so I, he's going to be okay no matter what happens. So, I can't wait to see him on television. Yeah, he definitely has a personality for, it. and also too apparently, Fox has offered that spot that's open for them. You know, they've offered a spot that was vacated by Chris Spillman to Mark Sanchez. Now he hasn't decided whether or not he's going to take it yet. So I'm sure ESPN mm-hmm. wants to keep him. So. They may want to maybe bump some money up, maybe offer him to let him do a game maybe once a week because that's what something he really wants to do. So we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with that as well. Yes, we'll see what happens. In other sports media news, Carrie uh, Champion and Kenny Main, who were both let go by ESPN over the last few months, they'll be teaming up to uh, do a special project together. This is coming to also from our good friends at Awful Announcing. The delayed 2020 Tokyo Olympics are about a month away, and we're still learning about NBC's coverage plans. This will be the first Olympics since Peacock's inception, their streaming service network. And the streaming service is going to be a big role. And this week we learned that it will include a nightly highlight show hosted by Kerry uh, Champion and Kenny Main. As we continue here, Carrie Champion and Kenny Mayne doing a nightly Olympics show is a fairly perfect fit. Both have plenty of sports experience. After all, it's hard to imagine the duo delivering anything less than entertaining and informative broadcast. Carrie Champion left ESPN uh, last year, while Kenny Mayne was uh, dropped just a few weeks ago. Considering how long they overlap, it's kind of wild they haven't worked together until now. Uh, it's is a potentially vital one to the Olympics are massive. Most people won't exactly be watching all the coverage throughout the day, or even if the network coverage in the, uh, all of the network coverage in the evening, bringing the two high profile, former ESPN talents from Bristol to, uh, to Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut, where NBC sports is located. It's a logical move. Not even just for one Olympic run. Lakina, uh, as we, uh, I know Fox has been uh, the big joke of taking former ESPN talent and giving a, a big stage uh, over at that network. It looks like NBC is uh, becoming that as well. But Kenny Main, we know he's he was there for 27 years, and we know he's known for his wit as for his delivery. Uh, I think he's going to do well there. Carrie Champion, of course, she's been hopping around ever since Sports Center. She did the. Uh, social justice program called the Arena for, for Turner Sports. And I know her, Jamel here, I believe that program is still on the air on Vice. Um, Mom, I forgot what that program is called. Uh, forgive me. But I know she's been hopping around doing some additional work. So uh, those two uh, uh, great talents uh, have a great opportunity ahead of them. And I think 
you know, uh, they're going to do well. At least uh, NBC is getting experience because we know the Olympics are huge. A lot of people watch it from around the world. And so uh, it's going to be interesting how, how this program is presented. Will it be presented in a sports center style or will it be presented in an entertaining style? Will it be presented in a news, hard news-like style? Uh, I'm just interested to see how uh, this nightly highlight show will be presented. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. apparently it's all going to be on the Peacock Network, I guess. So, you know, unless you actually mm-hmm. have the app, you know, you can actually, that'll be the only way you can be able to check it out. But, I mean, I like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, they've got a lot of, you know, different people from the different networks that are going to be part of their broadcasting crew. The interesting thing is going to be that how many people will be able to go to Tokyo? Or how many will be kind mm-hmm. of on site in their Sanford, Connecticut studios? I'm talking about the NBC studios, NBC Sports studios, I should say. Excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, I think I can definitely see these two, you know, you know, you know, meshing well together. It's hard mm-hmm. to believe that they have not, when Carrie was over it, you know, in LA, you know, because they're both in LA. This is gonna be the first time working together. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of wild that that's never happened. But I can definitely, like, I, I can definitely see them kind of like, you know, meshing well together. And you know, they got, you know, their personalities are very similar. So it'll be interesting what kind of show it's gonna be. Is it gonna be like the old? you know, Olympic highlight shows from back in the day, kind of straightforward, or they're going to talk about some social stuff that's going to be happening in Tokyo, especially with all the stuff. We, all, we were talking about it a couple of weeks back with the Olympics. You know, there's a lot of, you know, hesitation mm-hmm. among the, in Tokyo to have the Olympics at all. So, but you got the Olympic trials going on right now and swimming and in track and field. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes between the two of them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and we talked about what's going on, on on the track, as they say, for the Olympics. Uh, we, uh, How many broadcasters, you mentioned, they're going to go over there? And will the uh, will how will the athletes be treated over there? If, I'm sure many of those athletes are already vaccinated. And if vaccinated, will they be staying in a particular area? For those athletes that chose not to get vaccinated, will they stay in a particular area? Usually they stay, stay in the village, but... Will that be separated between vaccinated and unvaccinated athletes? I'm sure there will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and that's going to be the uh, wild card here, too. Are they going to have different sections for folks who are unvaccinated and, you know, athletes who are vaccinated? I'm sure, like, it, I guess it depends on the country, right? I'm sure here in the U.S., I'm sure they're going to mm-hmm. make sure at least most of their athletes are vaccinated. I don't know how it is going to mm-hmm. be in, uh, in the other countries. That's going to be, like, the big wild card. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes because – are there going to be different sections? But I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that's definitely going to be the million-dollar question. Yeah, hopefully it's not disastrous. <clears throat> hopefully it'll go without a hitch. We know some – I'm sure there's going to be a few athletes that are going to uh, not participate in some events because <clears throat> if they catch this virus, you know that's going to happen. Hopefully it's not an outbreak because Japan is handling differently than we are here in the United States. So – yeah, the question is, like you said, like, you know, how many athletes are vaccinated? How many are not? Will you separate the two? Common sense would tell me it will, especially if you want these games to go out with, with I'm not going to say without a hitch, but uh, with little damage as possible. That, that's going to be the million-dollar question. How are they going to handle this? And and how are they going to handle uh, I don't know. There's still even going to be any spectators. If they are, it's going to be very few. It's good. I think it's going to be like local spectators, right? I don't think – I read so far they're not going to mm-hmm. let anybody from outside Japan – you know, spectators to come in. So that's probably what's going to end up happening. Yep. 
You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. We're heading down the home stretch here. We have uh, we talked about this last week. Lakina Russell Westbrook producing a documentary uh, based uh, on the STEM program, uh, uh, based from um, his hometown in Los Angeles. Uh, second year guard John Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies will produce another docu series called Promised Land. This also comes to our friends from Awful Announcing. Promised Land docuseries gives a refreshing look at John Morant's rise from overlooked talent uh, to NBA star. Morant is, is impossible not to root for while watching this crackle docuseries. The Memphis Grizzlies earned the eighth seed uh, for this year's NBA playoffs, being the San Antonio Spurs in the playing tournament to win the rest of the conference final postseason bid that provided an opportunity for a wider TV audience to watch the Grizzlies rise to star John Moran. Memphis shot the top seed of the Utah Jazz at game one of their first round playoff series, but eventually lost in five games. However, those who want to see more of Moran have an opportunity to follow the high-flying guard off the court in a six-part docuseries for Crackle titled Promised Land. Part two of the series comprised of four episodes comprised of episodes four through six launched uh on june 17th for those who, who see six part docuseries and believe that's too much for a commitment each episode is no longer than a half an hour two of them last 20 minutes altogether promise line runs for runs two hours and 25 minutes regardless of whether you watch it in chunks or in one sitting morant is a phenomenal talent with an upbringing and support system that that helped his Ascent to the NBA, and that story is compelling to watch. Director Destin uh, DeBory, if I pronounce it correctly, begins Morant's story as he waits to be selected in the 2019 NBA draft. As basketball fans know, Memphis selected him number two overall out of Murray State, a mid-major school not typically known for producing NBA prospects. With the number one pick, Zion Williamson battling injuries and lim limited to 24 games, Morant dazzled in the first season that resulted him in winning the NBA's Rookie of the Year award. But the documentary first goes back to chronicle Morant's development, uh, tutored by his father T. From the start, DeBory establishes that this isn't a story we've become accustomed to seeing, with a promising talent emerging from a broken home or a father mercilessly coaching his son to achieve his potential. T. Morant, Josh's father, gave up his own basketball career to raise his son, and if he intended to live his dreams vicariously through his son, he certainly doesn't come across that way. T. and his mother, Jamie, might be the true stars of the, of the first part of Promise Land, realizing Josh's potential and providing everything he needs to succeed. We see father coaching son on the court built in the backyard with cones and chairs set up as obstacles. Blocking pads build strength and toughness. Tractor tires help develop explosiveness. T might be a tough coach, but he teaches with patience and thought. And Jai is an exceptional student who wants to get better and motivated by being overlooked. Lakina, as we talked about before, uh, these uh, today's generation of athletes and storytellers, they're not waiting for the big studios to come reach out to them. Uh, we're seeing that with LeBron James. I know he's promoting Space Jam, which will be coming out around this time next month. But these athletes today, they're taking advantage of this opportunity uh, with social media, producing it on their own. Yes, they have more funds to help them get their product out there, but they're creating creating their own narrative, creating, uh, telling their own stories through their own uh, eyes uh, and ears. 
And so you don't have to wait for, like we were growing up, you don't have to wait for a big studio to give you opportunity to do it. They're creating it on their, on their own and with their names and platforms, they're letting people to come to, you know, to check out their products. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the way of the future. We talked about it a couple, you know, a couple of days ago with Russell Westbrook and his new project, I think. Look, if you read, um, if you if you know about John Morant's story, you know, and said alluded, alluded to it, I mean, you know, ESPN did like a short uh, E60 uh, short about it. I mean, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. You know, he wasn't highly recruited. And, you know, look at him now. I mean, look, I think that this is, he's his story is sort of the type of story that I think people will gravitate towards. And look, at it, look this is a short, it's only a 20, 30 minute, you know, mini docu-series, if you will. So it's not, it's not a big investment. It's nice and quick. And I'm sure they're going to do different sections where his childhood and, you know, his college career, Murray State to now, his, you know, his career right now in the NBA with the Grizzlies. So I think look, it's a nice investment. You know, it's going to be widely available. So, and like you said, he's not, you know, they're not waiting for the big studios to call. You can make your own now. You got, you got the technology, you got the, uh, the audience to do it now, as long as, look, if you get a big enough audience, the big studios will call. That's just, sometimes that's yeah. how it is. So I, I think, I, think I, I like this. I'm looking forward to, to seeing this and also to his, his relationship with his dad, because his dad kind of raised him as a single father, kind of. So yeah. that, you know, that, that, that aspect of it is really, especially with Father's Day coming up you know, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So this will be a nice little tribute to him and kind of he put his career on hold to help raise John, kind of help him, <clears throat> excuse me, develop him to be the player that he is and the person that he is now. Yeah, as we talked about before, like, can we talk about music also on this program? We always reference to behind the music and unsung about the artists that we grew up listening to. Uh, the, today's athletes are kind of doing the same thing, doing it on their own, telling their own stories instead of waiting for somebody else to tell it for them. So this is a, a great thing, as I say, especially in this uh, social media age that we're in right now. It is great for these athletes to get their own stories out there, tell the way they want to tell instead of somebody misinterpreting what they, they're saying. They had to go uh, defend uh, why they say it the way they said, you know, fight out cancer culture and fight out all these other uh, distracting um, elements so uh, this yeah. this is great and they can tell their stories their, their own way and their own words and uh, you don't have to have uh, too many people standing in your way it's just you and your story and the, the way you produce it and the, just the way you tell it it can be re relatable to the average joe out there and i think that can only help still with the day's athletes right i mean you can now yeah. you can develop your own projects you can develop your own like biography mm -hmm. and you know or if you have like a movie if you want to tell a story about your uh your hometown like what russell westbrook's doing with crenshaw you know california mm -hmm. i mean if this guy's living now and you got the technology to do it and like i said if 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 it's successful the big studios will call so that's yeah. just usually how it is it's sort of like a sort of a cause and effect there yeah, and I also like, too, the, how these athletes and other entertainers are on their own content as well, and just be smart about your business. You don't let these studios overtake yourself, because once they do, we, we heard and seen stories, Lakina, that, you know, especially with music artists in particular, you know, you sign over your royalties and your masters, these record companies own it, you can't do anything about it, because they own it. Yeah. And now I know it's slightly different with the movies, but I know if you uh, tell an autobiography, if you sell the rights to the movie studios, they could do whatever they want but with these athletes. Now, they could do it for themselves. As long as you have full 100% ownership, you're in control. You should be okay. 
I think that's peace of mind, right? So I think definitely, you mm -hmm. know, have that sort of like your control of your own, like your own material, your own assets. Mm -hmm. I think that can only help, you know, with the psyche, especially. So, because we see some of the, this is work, you know, folks have, you know, filed for bankruptcy because they didn't read the fine print of their contract or they didn't mm -hmm. fight for a better contract when it first came into the scene. So I think having controlling your own and doing your own as, as Whoopi Goldberg would say, you know, could recreate your own. You know, don't, don't depend yeah. on other studios. Don't depend on, you know, Lin-Manuel or Miranda. Don't put all the onus on him. <laughs> if you see something that's not being represented, you know, because people are working on him about, you know, this movie in the Heights where it doesn't represent a, a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that, okay, you bring that group in, but then there's another group that's going to be complaining that they're not re being represented. So if you don't mm -hmm. like what you're seeing, create your own. Yep. And as Bill Cosby, I know he's not popular at the moment, but as Bill Cosby and Oprah Winfrey both said a long time ago, Please sign your own checks. Don't let anybody else sign your own checks because if you do, that's going to be a problem. And so we'll we'll leave we'll leave it on that note for for today's episode of the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Uh, thank you to Lakina McGee for toughing toughing it out for this last uh, segment. Go 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 get your voice rested up, Lakina. I know you're going to enjoy this great weekend of, of sports sports action. Of course, the White Sox uh, locally here in Chicago, the White Sox are taking on uh, the Houston Astros as we speak down in Houston. The Cubs are battling the Marlins here at Wrigley Field, so it's going to be another good weekend. Of course, the Olympics are a month away. We wrapped up mandatory mini, uh, mini camp for most of these NFL teams, including our own Chicago Bears. As you mentioned, Lakina, the Arlington High story is just getting started. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. By now, it's going to <laughs> it's going to pick up some some steam. When we don't know, but uh, this is just getting started. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how this all plays out. Well, the word the word thing about it is is that now that you know with everything, well, now that it's kind of starting to hit the fan. Is this being used as sort of like uh, sort of like motivation for the city decor to say, you know what, hey, we may leave if you guys don't step mm -hmm. up your your stuff here. So. We'll see what happens. Like I said, I think this, this, this story is far from over, what I think. All right. But this episode is about over. And before we well, close out, go ahead. Well, you well, wanted to say something? Well, yeah, just to close out, I mean, you got the U.S. Open coming up this weekend in Torrey Pines. Okay. Um, the great thing about it is that we get some prime time golf. Yay. So it'll be interesting to see what you got. <laughs> Brooks, Brooks Kepka could probably be a factor. He has two of these. Bryce Adichambeau, I mean, he's the defending champion. You know, we'll see what he does. John Rom after what happened with a few a couple of weeks back, you know, at the memorial, cause he had to pull out because of, you know, he had a COVID test. He passed tested positive. So you gotta think he's gonna be extra motivated. We'll see if you know Phil can make the cut. But yeah, it should be very it should be a lot of fun as the Ozone well, usually is, you know, Father's Day is gonna be on Tory Pines, you know, so we get some prime time golf. So it should be a whole lot of fun in the US Open. So Yes, we'll be remiss if we didn't wish everybody, uh, uh, every father out there around the world, happy Father's Day, which is coming up uh, tomorrow on, on Sunday. So happy Father's Day to all the dads from around the world. Absolutely. You can follow, yeah, you can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena McGee on the IG. 
You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. Uh, videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch the audio version of this podcast at War on Anchor. Uh, the audio drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. Just type in those search engine boxes, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, including right here on YouTube. There's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes. For Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. This has been the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Young lady, rest that voice. We'll see and hear you on Tuesday, fully healed and rested. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. It's going to be hot across the country. Take care of yourselves. Stay cool and keep your cool. (laughs) We don't want you doing anything stupid. Until Tuesday, take care of yourselves. Until next time, holla!